Hi, welcome to the Spiritually Minded Mom podcast, where every mom can find hope, joy, and God's hand in motherhood. You'll hear interviews with all kinds of moms who are learning how to navigate motherhood. Most of all, you'll learn that you have a partner in motherhood, a loving Heavenly Father who wants you to succeed and is always there to help you in your most important work as a mother. And now, here's your host, my mom, Dara Trendler. Welcome to the Spiritually Minded Mom podcast. This is Darla, and I am so excited that you're here today. As always, I have a great guest for you today. Her name is Beth Given, and I met Beth very early in my journey of starting this podcast. I met her on Instagram, and then we met in real life, and she has some amazing things to share, so I'm really excited that she's here today, but let me tell you a little bit about Beth before we dive in. She's a wife and a mother of four pretty amazing children that are ages 15, 12, 9, and 6. And she is a lifelong learner. Neither she nor her husband are Utah natives, but after two years in Chicago and eight years in Colorado, they found themselves raising their family in Utah County. She is a firm believer that by small and simple things are great things brought to pass. So welcome to the podcast, Beth. Thanks, Darla. I'm glad to be here. So happy to have you. And that's one of my favorite scriptures, by small and simple things. I love that. Um, And I know you have a lot to share about that. (laughs) So we'll, we will dive into that, but, um, start off, let's start off talking about your motherhood story. So tell me a little bit about what those first years of motherhood were like for you. Well, I, um, we, we had our first son, um, when my husband was still going to school at BYU, I had no clue what I was doing. I I came into motherhood (laughs) kind of blind. Like I didn't have, I have no sisters at all. And um, my brothers, I was, I'm the oldest, Nathan, my husband is one of the oldest, and like, I didn't have any sisters-in-law to look up to. I was kind of the one of the first ones of my friends to get married. And so I had no idea what having a baby (laughs) entailed. (laughs) And so I came into motherhood, like pretty overwhelmed. And I'd always been kind of a perfectionist. I was a really good student. I was like, that's fine. I'll just, I'll just you know, read the books and I'll figure this out and I can do this. And guess what? He, it didn't work. <laughs> like, long story short, my, he, my first son, my oldest, he is delightful, but he is just an interesting character. He's kind of quirky in a lot of ways, really bright, but really emotional. Like he wears his emotions on his sleeve. And so that meant when he was happy he was very happy and it was exciting and it was 100 miles an hour and then when he crashed and he was at all sad about anything it was like tantrums and and sobbing and um if i had known who he was as a person in general like that's just kind of his personality that he he swings wildly like that like i wouldn't have been so nervous but him being my first and then couple that with like no sleep, you know, oh, as yeah. a new mom, like I just remember feeling really overwhelmed and really kind of lonely as a mom too. Cause I didn't have a lot of people to reach out to. Like I said, my husband was going to school. So he was busy with his part-time job and with classes. And then we, we moved out first for an internship to Chicago. And then we went to um, his first job that he landed after his internship in Chicago. And I didn't know a soul out there. Both my husband and I grew up moving around quite a bit. So it wasn't like a big deal to move to me. I mean, it was like kind of scary, but it was a, it was a big adventure. It was always an adventure um, growing up 
when we moved, um, when my family moved. And so I kind of framed it that way. I was like excited to go see a new place, but it was hard being a mom out there um, in Chicago, so far from family. Our family lived out West, not in Utah, but in the West still. And yeah, I felt kind of isolated and alone and it, it was hard, but it did teach me a lot. So what do you think, what do you think were some of the things that helped you with, with that situation? and the learning curve that you were facing with motherhood? I felt kind of anchored in the church. I, I feel like for all the spiritual it gives you, which is amazing and wonderful, the church is also a great um, social structure. Like you walk into a place and you belong somewhere and um, you feel needed. And, and I could do something outside of motherhood in my calling. I think for all of the wonderful things that the church brings us spiritually, which I'm so grateful for, one of the greatest parts about belonging to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is the social connection that you have. It's a place where I went and I felt like I belonged. I felt needed. Um, They called me that first year we were out in Chicago after the internship. They called me to be an early morning seminary teacher, which was so intimidating. I was not, I had a background in teaching, but I have always been petrified of speaking in large, in front of large groups. And, but that, that, that year of teaching seminary taught me a lot about myself. Um, And I loved that it was, it was something outside of my motherhood that I was doing um, that made me feel like a whole person. I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah, totally. So I would, I would think from what you've said, I I would, I would say you're probably giving the advice to get a social network and the church is a great way to do that. If you're struggling in those first few years of motherhood and find something outside of motherhood that can fill you up and, and give you something that you need just for you, just for you. Yeah. I would always, would that that sum it up? That sums it up. I, I read a lot of books yeah. And I, I, I looked for just little moments in my day that, that were happy moments. I think there's a lot of pressure to like enjoy every moment because they're only little for just a short time. But gosh, I couldn't do that. That's it. I was too tired. It, <laughs> yeah. You're just really tired when you have little kids and really busy and they need you a lot. So if you can just find like just little moments in your day, just little happy things and take a picture of that little happy moment. Even if the kid is screaming five minutes later, which my kid always was, <laughs> then yeah. then you have something to look at that, you know, brings you a happy memory of that time. I think that is such good advice because if we put too much pressure on ourselves to like that, that motherhood is this end all be all, like it should be so perfect and it's divine and all this stuff. And I mean, yeah. I talk about that on the podcast, but I don't believe that we have to put the pressure on ourselves that it's going to be roses all the time. And you know, that our kids are going to be totally well-behaved and we're going to be going to do all these things together. And it's going to be great because that's not reality. Right. So I love what you said. Just if we just look for moments, look for one thing every day that you can be grateful for. You can always find one thing, right? Even yes. if everything went crazy. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I love, I really love that perspective that, that we don't have to put that pressure on ourselves, that we can just find moments and, and that will get us through. I love that. So another thing that I'm really intrigued and I want to talk to you about is that you said, you told me before the interview that, that, that the, 
the phrase charity never felleth you think is really good advice in a lot of situations, especially motherhood. So what does that mean to you and, and how have you applied it in your own motherhood? Well, at the beginning of my motherhood journey, I, I just wanted to do everything right. You know, I wanted to have the checklist in front of me and do the, do exactly what I was supposed to do and get the results. Cause that's always what had served me so far in life. The more I tried doing that, the less natural it felt. And I wasn't enjoying motherhood. I don't know. It was probably through reading a few parenting books and that kind of thing that I realized that there's not really a formula for doing motherhood. And to enjoy it, I needed to just kind of step back a little bit and just really listen to my kids. They, I, mostly I think our kids just want to be loved and listened to. Like when my, my six-year-old comes up to me and, and tells me he stubbed his toe, I don't need to tell him like, well, you need to make sure that you are walking for a proper, you know, avoid that piece of furniture next time. I don't need to tell him that. He is a smart kid and he can figure that lesson out himself. He just wants someone to say like, oh, like, I'm sorry that that happened. Are you feeling okay? Are you going to be all right? Do you need me to do anything for you? And I mean, those lessons as a six-year-old goes all the way up to my 15-year-old. When it comes time to to talk about his grades or, or whatever st is stressing him out, like he doesn't need me to solve his problems. He just needs me to listen to him and to love him for who he is. Yeah, that's, that is perfect advice. Love and listen. Like, great. Have charity for the most important people in your life. You know, sometimes it's easier to do it for everybody else. Right. It really is. Not those most important people. And I really loved something that you said. And, and I can, I'm kind of getting the picture of sort of who you were before motherhood. And it sounds like, you know, you said you like a checklist. You like to be able to check things uh -huh. off and know. <laughs> I'm the same way. So I totally get that. But motherhood, you have to throw that all out the window. And I think sometimes we sort of want that checklist. Like we want to know, you know, our personalities, we like checking things off. We like knowing, okay, if I do this then I'm going to get this result. Right. But that doesn't work in motherhood. But I've been thinking about that recently. And I've thought, you know, if, if we, a checklist is just a one size fits all. Yeah. And so if we're trying to put ourselves with a checklist, then there's no room for us to be who we are and to be unique and to be who our kids need. Yeah. And so when we throw that checklist out the window, which is super hard, but when we do it, it opens us up to be who we are in motherhood. Yeah. I love that. I, I, that's how this last year, I feel like I've recently been stepping into who I'm going to be, and it doesn't have to look like everybody else. It doesn't have to be what the, uh, the next person is doing. I feel like it's so easy with social media these days to compare ourselves and think we have to be doing exactly what other people are doing. And that's not true at all. The, the message that's coming through from President Nelson is about personal revelation and you you do what works for you and, and plays to your strengths and um, helps you grow in the way you need to grow. And motherhood is exactly, it fits right into there that, that you you do motherhood you, your way with your strengths and talents and gifts. Yeah, exactly. That I, I do think that's the message that we're hearing from our prophet. And that's the way Heavenly Father parents us, right? He doesn't put us in a box and expect us to be just like everybody else. No. That's, that's a man-made thing. So yeah, I think, I think that is a really important concept to learn. And I know, I know it's one that took me a long time too. In yeah, I'm to, still to learning out. it. <laughs> oh yeah. It, it, you know, it's so easy to revert back to that because, because that's easy, but it's, it's a lot harder to, to try to insert yourself and be who you are and, 
and not second guess because your neighbor's doing something else and all of that. It's, yeah. just, it's just really hard. Okay. So I really want to talk to you about your ability to set goals and be consistent. It's the new year. So everybody's setting goals, right? And, <laughs> right. Um, everyone should know that you have an amazing Instagram account. Thank you. And it's called small and simple things, right? It's called By small and simple things. The, the small and the simple. The small and the simple. Yeah. That's right. Okay. So back the to the other that, ones were already favorite... taken. <laughs> I know you have to be creative on your Instagram handle. The small and simple. The small and the simple, right? I got that right. We'll we'll link it up in the show notes. <laughs> go go look this up. But Beth has such cool. a great Instagram account. So the and one of the, the things that kind of drew me into you when I first met you a couple years ago and saw what you were posting on Instagram is your ability to set a goal and then to be consistent and to have accountability to yourself. So when I first met you, you were doing um, a daily one mile walk or run. Yes, it's right? a mile a mile a day, whether I walked it or ran it or went farther, that was great, but at least a mile. Okay, so how long did you do that for? I did it for 365 days. Well, a little bit more, like 370-ish something. I have to know, was it hard to like not do day 371 or was that easy? It was really hard. <laughs> no, that's why I went 370 whatever because um and and yeah, that was actually I set out for doing that thinking like, oh, I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to show that like just a little bit every day is going to increase my fitness drastically. And that is not the lesson I learned at all. I, okay. <laughs> That's I, what, so you, so you started out like everybody at, was at the beginning of the year. It was, was actually like in the middle of the summer. Um, okay, it was in the summer. I was, well, that's a good time to start walking. Yeah, because the weather's nice, right? And so um, I'd actually just come off of healing from some, some tendonitis in my hip and was like trying to get back in shape. And I thought, oh, you know, I'll just go walking in the morning. It was actually the walking would help me a little bit. Like it was, it was, you got to find a sweet spot of resting and moving your body, right? This is what I'm trying to figure out as my body <laughs> ages. <laughs> So I started walking and then I realized like, I've been doing this every day. And then I started, you know, I'm going to see how far, how long I can do this. And I hit a hundred days that was in the fall. And I, I realized I really enjoyed like watching the seasons change around me and experiencing that. But it got to a point when I was about halfway through that I, I, I mean, we've already talked about how I'm, a, how I'm a checklist person. I'm kind of an all or nothing. You check the box, you don't check the box. Like which side am I going to be on? And I realized as I as I went through this, that like a lot of my self worth was getting tied up in whether or not or not I could meet this goal, and I I, I continued on and finished the 365 days, but I didn't really like where it brought me. It brought me to this place of like me questioning whether or not I was worthwhile and whether I was a consistent person, you know, whether I was good enough if I didn't meet my goal, and. I had to, I had to, to, to break it. And I like, that was actually harder than doing any of the days was to break it. I, I did it while on vacation and I'm, I'm pretty sure that I was walking at least a mile a day, even while on vacation, because we did like a Fitbit step challenge with my cousins. Do you ever do those Fitbit challenges where you think does the most steps and I blew everybody out of the water. So I know I was walking (laughs) like, um, but but I wasn't, I stopped tracking it. And I am a firm believer in tracking habits. Like I, I it, it's brought me to a lot of good 
in my life, but I feel like you have to be careful because if, if you're a perfectionist like me, you have to be okay with not checking that box. You have to be okay with failure. I have this great quote from Ardeth G. Cap that I found a couple of years ago that talks about, about this perfectionism stuff. She says, things don't always turn out the way we plan, but don't ever let what you haven't done eclipse all the good you have done and are doing. And I love that because so many times I feel like if I'm not, you know, continuing to do my very best every day, then, then I've failed. But you have to look at your whole life and see how far you've come. You can't, you can't just look at, at where you are right, right now and whether or not you made, met your goals for that day. You have to give yourself grace. God gives yes. us grace. We should give ourselves grace too. Oh, I love that. I love the lessons that you learned. That's very unexpected and not what you would think it, that yeah, you would learn from that. I, it came out but of this, nowhere. But that's <laughs> so good and so timely because everyone's setting goals and we're, you know, it's, when we're recording this, it's January. And mm-hmm. it's, a re- I think what you said is so important to remember that it's good to set goals and it's good to improve ourselves, but don't tie your self-worth to those goals and whether you're, you know, achieving them or not. Right. Because that's not who you are. Right. That's so good. So I also want to talk about, so you had another, another thing that you post about, and this is really what caught my attention is that you, you document, and I, I love that word that you document yeah. the, the times that you're going to the temple with, within the year. And I know you started this with 12 times in 2012. So tell me about how you started documenting going to the temple and what, how it's blessed your life. How, what have you learned from that? I, I'm trying to figure out where exactly this idea came from. And the only thing I can think of is it must've come through the spirit because I, mm, I'm, that makes sense. I, I, I can't really pinpoint exactly where, what was the catalyst for it, but probably like a lot of people, I had set a goal to attend the temple. Um, and once a month based on, you know, my location, my proximity to a temple and my, my family circumstances at the time, once a month seemed like, you know, a, a little bit of a stretch, but still doable for me. And so once a month was the goal, you know, all through those previous years pr- prior to 2012. And it, come January, this is me checking a box again. This always comes back to this. Come January, um, we were in, um, we were living in Colorado at the time in Denver. And, and I would say at the beginning of January, you know, first couple of weeks, I'm going to go attend the temple once a month. And then I'd look up the schedule and the temple is always closed at, in January in Denver, the last two weeks for cleaning. And so I would get off in January and then I'd feel like a failure and I would be like, well, I, I can't do it once a month. And so I'd throw the whole year out the window. And so in 2012, I realized, well, if I just go 12 times a year, that loosens up a lot of this rigidity of having to go in January. If I don't make January, I can make it up in February or whatever month is more convenient for me. And I can still make my goal. And I would still be, you know, once a month on average. Something about reframing it that way, like flipped a switch for me. And I made that goal. I, it, was, it was almost easy to make that goal. It, it did require some planning and some scheduling and some sacrifice because at the time, my kids were still really little. I, it required a lot of support for my husband, and I'm grateful for him for doing that, um, for watching the kids while I went to the temple to meet my goal. But yeah, it was something about that 
helped helped so much to think of it that way. And then, you know, to increase my goal a little bit each year, I would, I, in 2013, I decided I'd go 13 times in the year and 2014, 14 times. And I think it was 2014 that I started taking a picture every time. And that's not really that weird of a thing for me because I take pictures of everything. Like I'm, a, <laughs> I'm a documenter and my kids are used to it. Like I, I just a second, I got to get your picture. And yeah, I, <laughs> Yeah, I, I take a lot of pictures. So so taking a picture every time I went was not that weird to me, but I just loved at the end, I, I make a kind of a collage of the year and, and look back on my year and see the temple attendance that I've done. And it gives me some satisfaction to see like visually my experiences at the temple. I love that. So, so you, you're, you know, you kind of said at the beginning, this started out as sort of your checklist thing. Yep. Right? Yep. But but it it really sounds like it's evolved and it has. become something so much more. So how has that regular a temple attendance, how has it helped you in motherhood, in your life, in your relationship with your heavenly parents? What have been the blessings of that? So in 2016, we moved from, from Colorado to Utah. And that was, that was a hard transition. It, um, I had really built up my life in Colorado and we had friends there and I felt really plugged into the ward and really needed and then we moved here to Utah it was hard transitioning my kids into their new school when we'd moved before I'd never I hadn't had to do that and so they were older and and having to go to school and then my dad passed away only a few months later and so I was dealing with a lot of grief over losing my dad and over losing the life that I had in Colorado and the thing that seemed to keep me grounded to that really turbulent time was the temple. It was a habit that I had built up previously. And the thing with habits is it's, it's almost easier to keep going once you've started that habit than it is to stop. I remember walking into the Mount Timpanogos temple for the first time and feeling overwhelmed because that temple is so much bigger than Denver and feeling like a little bit lost and not sure what I was doing with life, let alone like what I was doing in the temple and, you know, where things were and everything. But I went through a session and then I was sitting in the celestial room and I sat down on the couch and instantly I just felt like I was home. It wasn't Colorado. It was a totally different celestial room than I was used to. And I hadn't ever been in that particular temple before, but that feeling of peace and comfort and just like this feeling that I had come home was there for me in the temple. And, you know, as, as all the things that I've said about, like, you can't make, put yourself, give yourself a checklist of things. You can't bind yourself to habits. Like you have to give yourself grace. There's a place for habits because, because of those habits, I was in the right place when I needed that comfort. I love that. I, I know I've talked before on the podcast about something called spiritual reserves. And I think you're right. Like it's more than just a habit. It, it becomes part of who you are and it becomes something that you can draw on in those hard times, like losing your dad and, and moving and trying to help your kids make a transition. And you have a place of consistency and, and a place where, you know, you can go and feel peace and I love that. And I love what you said about, you know, how you reframed this goal instead of the, you know, the way that you did it when you, when you were walking every day and that, you know, you had to do it, you gave yourself some yeah. grace. And 
I wrote down gracing goals. Like there's some, there's a piece of advice yeah, that we can all I like use that. <laughs> when we're setting goals, right? We can, we can just, you know, reframe it for ourselves and, and make it to, into something that will really bless our life. Okay. So before you go, I have one final thing that I want Beth to share. So we were, we finished recording and we were just talking. And one of the things she was talking about her own temple attendance, but we also forgot to touch on the temple attendance and the things that her temple attendance has done for her kids. So Beth, tell me about that. I'm a documenter, right? So I counted it up and I have been to 44 different temples. Being in Utah has put me in proximity to way more temples, but we go on vacations and stuff just to see new places and to visit um, family. And so my kids have been on the temple grounds of almost as many temples, probably about 40. It depends on which kid you're talking about because some have been to ones that others haven't, but they've been to like almost 40, 40 temples. And I just really hope I'm, I'm putting a lot of faith in this, in this process. Cause I don't, I don't know how it's going to turn out, but I hope that my kids feel the power of the temple and feel that it's important to me and to my husband and to our family just by us prioritizing that on on temple trips. I, I got, I've got teenagers right now that kind of roll their eyes at me when I say everybody out, we're at the temple and we're going to take a picture. But yeah, I'm just hoping that that, that experience will, will bless them in their life and, and that they'll They'll come to love the temple as much as I do. They've been to 40 temples. That's amazing. And there there are promises that have been given. I'm holding on to those promises. Aren't we all? Like, yeah, <laughs> get your kids to the temple. And the best way to do that is to set the example for them, I think. I mean, that that's like a huge way that you can I, do it. I think so, too. Yeah. Being an example, that that's really the only, the only person I really have control over is myself. I can't really force my kids to do anything. No. Not really. And so... I'm going to try to be the best example I can. Beth, thank you so much for being here today. And I just have one final question for you and have loved hearing all of, all of your insights. So I'd love to know, how have you seen and felt your heavenly parents as your partners in motherhood? I love this question because, and, and you've asked it on your podcast before or a similar question. So it's made me think about what my answer would be. And sometimes I don't know if my heavenly parents are right there next to me knowing exactly every step that I'm taking. It's hard for me to feel that every time. There's been times in my life that it's felt really dark and that I felt really alone and lonely. And I'm, I know I'm doing the right things, but I don't feel this added strength that I feel like is promised to us. So often we get through those times somehow. And then it's not until I look back on them that I realize that God was with me all along. I love the story of the disciples on the road to Emmaus. They're walking with Christ, but they don't even realize that it's him until later in the evening after he's gone. And it's when they reflect on their experience that they realize that, that God's been walking with them. That God's been there through the loneliness, the hard times. That's what's been true for me anyway. I, I don't always feel the influence of my heavenly parents until I'm looking back on the experiences and then I see how they were there all along. They were blessing me. They, they were doing the greatest miracle of, of changing me to be more capable and more loving than I thought I ever could be, giving me things to say or ideas that must, have, must be through the Holy Ghost because they weren't my ideas. When I, when I look back, that's when I see God as my partner in motherhood. 
I really like that perspective. And I think, I think that's so hopeful that if, if you're, if someone's listening and that's where you're at right now and you don't know if they're there, you don't know if you feel God as a partner, maybe it's going to take a while and you're going to look back and say, oh, he was right there. Yeah. And, and then you have evidence for the future that when you're not feeling it, you can just remember, you know what? He was there last time and he's there again, even if I don't feel it right now. I think that's just such a hopeful message. I, when I look back, that's when I, when I realized that, that he was there all along. Well, that, that is really beautiful. And I have loved everything that you've shared. Thank you so much for, for being willing to come on and, and share a little bit of your story and the things that you've learned. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Darla. I hope it's helped somebody. Um, I, I know that we have to all listen for our own personal revelation on, on what goals we need to achieve and what Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother want us to be doing at this time. It's going to be different for everybody. I totally agree. Yeah. And, and I think that your message comes through with that loud and clear. I, I love it. Thank you so much. Thank you. I know you have a million things to do, and I'm grateful you took the time to listen to today's podcast. I hope the episode helped you to know God is your partner in motherhood. For show notes, head over to spirituallymindedmom.com. For more motherhood inspiration, follow along on Instagram, at spirituallymindedmom. And if you enjoyed the podcast, share it with a friend. I would love it if you would leave a review and rate it on iTunes. This helps more moms to find hope, joy, and God's hand in motherhood. Have an amazing day, and remember, you are doing God's work, and you are doing it wonderfully well.